Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Championship windows. We want to talk about championship windows. I'm not sure everyone knows how a window works. When it's closed, it's closed. And by my understanding, at least, you can't open them back up. So you better be sure when you say a window is closed, something is absolutely 100% done. Uh, this pod's just getting started. It is the Late Kick Extra podcast. This is, what is it, Thursday. We're all backwards because of scheduling this week. It's Thursday. It is, let me check the eye, Josh, April 20th, the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm down in Harris County, Georgia right now. i got a speaking engagement as you're listening to this later tonight. And I am very excited for it. It is, as documented earlier this week, my college, which I was once on academic expulsion from. And in the true comeback story of our time, I am now doing a major speaking event at said college, Columbus State University, for those keeping track. So appreciate them for having me. But that doesn't have anything to do with what I just said. Windows, more specifically championship windows. We know the concept, right? You got this finite amount of time where you're in a sweet spot and you've got a good staff and the rest of the sport is lined up, you got a good roster, you're recruiting well, no NCAA clouds lingering over your program. Well, voila, you have a window. You could win one title, you could win seven titles, you just, you better get to work because those windows, they don't stay open forever. Well, in the spirit of the Late Kick Extra podcast, where we take nothing but questions at Late Kick Josh, if you want to submit one, one of our many, many, many thousands of friends of the program, T-Dub, hit us up from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he asked about the window. He said, has Clemson's championship window closed? Well, of course it hasn't closed. If I were to answer yes, that would mean I am 99.999% sure they're incapable of winning another title under the current structure. Dabo is the head coach, basically. And no, that hasn't closed. If it closed, what closed it? Is your answer the last couple of years? Last couple of years, they still won double-digit games. Last couple of years, they've recruited a five-star quarterback. Last couple of years, they've gotten the highest-profile offensive coordinator candidate in America to come in there. Last couple of years, there's been no um, roster turmoil. There's been no NCAA turmoil. 
Uh, the head coach is still there. So basically, I'm just citing the levels of the pyramid that you need in place for your window to be open. Clemson's window is certainly open. That doesn't guarantee you anything. But it also, it does guarantee you one thing. It guarantees you'll have the opportunity to take your shot every year. Most teams aren't in a window like that. Most teams don't have a championship window. And by that, I mean national championship. Certainly, if Baylor has a nice year this year, they could win the Big 12. I don't think many people would say Baylor University has a national championship window open right now. But we'd say it about Clemson because they do. I meant to make a point on a show the other night, by the way. I just remembered it now. And I don't have it written in front of me, but you know what I do have? I do have the internet in front of me, so just hold on a second. Okay, I got it. All right, we've got just startling evidence here. Startling evidence that I use to support my theory that Clemson's window is still open. So what if I told you a guy had won three national championships at a program? Sounds kind of like Dabo. Dabo's won two, but this coach had won three national championships. Okay, and let's just apply this to modern-day standards. After winning those championships, he had a two-loss season, then he had a three-loss season, then he had a five-loss season, then he had another five-loss season. Those all were in a row. Two, three, five, five. What would you think of that head coach? You would think the window is closed. You would think the sport has passed him by. You would think he didn't evolve. People have adjusted to him. You know what you would say. I may be tempted to say the same thing. I am describing to you Paul Bear Bryant's 1967, 68, 69, and 70 teams at Alabama. He went on to win three more national championships in the 1970s. He won, well, let's see, it's easier for me to tell you what he lost. The next decade combined, he lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games. Yeah, math checks out. I don't even have stats and info with me today. Math checks out, though. So he lost 10 combined games in those two years, 69 and 70. Then he lost 11 games the next decade. How lovely. They also introduced something called the wishbone at that point in time in Tuscaloosa. Fairly significant occurrence in the history of college football. So anyway, I draw it back to Dabo Swinney. People certainly would have said, if we were to apply modern-day standards to that stretch of Bryant's career at Alabama, people would say the window's closed. I, look, I don't even have to take you back that far. Think about the head coach at Alabama now. Nick Saban back in 2014 or 15, when they got beat by Ole Miss, half the sport, half the media that covers the sport even then said, uh-oh, Alabama's window is closed. Now, to their credit, a lot of them have come out and apologized, talked about how wrong they were because Saban forced them to with winning multiple additional titles in his own right. So, no, Nick, Dabo Swinney's window is not closed. Not closed at Clemson at all. Next up. We got Mike. He is from Lakeland, Florida. He said, if there's one program nobody thinks about now that could in 20 years see a drastic rise in prestige, who would it be? His example would be Oregon in the late 90s. He also said his best bet would be UNLV. Interesting choice there. I'm going to go a lot closer to you, Mike. I'm going to say Central Florida, and I don't have to wait 20 years. I think we're on the precipice of them being in that, here's that word again, that window Really right now, starting right now, you've got Power 5 access. Here's the thought I have on this. So Central Florida is not a no-name brand. People know them. They've even gotten themselves mixed up in championship conversations in the past. Now, to their credit, they've done a good job injecting themselves into that championship conversation by any means necessary. But they've done it. But now they have what people told them they didn't have back then, including me. 
and that is Power 5 Access. I told him back then, I don't care if you go undefeated, I don't think you should qualify for being in that championship conversation because out of your control, your strength of schedule is not good enough. So it wouldn't matter if you won every game a million to nothing. I don't think the strength of your schedule meets the minimum baseline requirement that I have to insert you into the conversation. Had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with your surroundings. Well, now they've addressed that. So they can look back at me and say, we changed our surroundings. Now what? And I'd say, welcome to the party. Now go take care of your business. And if they do, Central Florida is in a conference that allows them to have that legitimacy. They're also in a conference where no one else has access to what they have access to. And that is recruiting Florida. You can come down here if you want to, if you're in Nebraska. You could do that if you want to, if you're Oklahoma State. But you're certainly not going to have the built-in advantage that a team parked in Orlando, Florida has. And it's also not a program that dabbles in football. Central Florida is very serious about football. This has been one of my go-tos ever since someone put a microphone in front of me down in Columbus, Georgia, where I almost currently am right now, back in 2000, what was it, 12 or 13, one of my most favorite segments to do was this segment where we look ahead in time and we see college football maybe changing its landscape. Didn't know how. As it turns out, we really didn't know how, but in principle, we were right. And I would always say, hey, Central Florida is not on the national radar right now. But if you combine what it would take for a program to pop on the radar, they've got what it takes because they had access to a big media market and they also had geographical relevance and they're serious about football and they have been long before now. And I thought that they always made sense for a conference to go scoop up. Now, back then, I thought it may be the ACC or the SEC. It turns out it was the Big 12. But my point remains, now they're in a position where the next 20 years could sound way different. People who are 25 years old in the year 2043 may have lived an entire lifetime like a young childhood and early adulthood full of Central Florida being a mainstay in the regular national college football conversation. Now, what a world that may be. Gregorio, I assume I have the pronunciation right, he's next up from Albertville, Alabama. He asked, could Auburn be this year's LSU, surprising everyone with the West title and winning at least nine games? My answer is no, I don't think they could be. I also understand history, and I understand the years Auburn does pop big years on you happens to be the same years where everyone says that in the preseason. No, this can't be the year. So I know the history of Auburn football, but at the same time, I also know what they do and don't have and what you do need in order to at least put yourself in that conversation. LSU going into last year, certainly I did not expect a 10-win season from. I certainly didn't expect them to win the West. But what we did know is they had recruited pretty well. They had especially recruited some really good players on their defensive line. Now, maybe they had been underutilized or maybe they hadn't achieved to their full potential, but that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a sleeper team to come out of nowhere, you're looking for some underutilized position groups and you're looking for some unrealized potential, both individually and then collectively within a team. Well, LSU had that. And they were certainly bringing in a head coach who understood how to get the most out of a team, in my opinion. Not all of you agree with that about Brian Kelly, but I think that about him. So Hugh Freeze coming in to Auburn, I don't know for a couple of reasons if I would put them in that kind of conversation. The first one is recruiting. Ed Orgeron, for all of his faults, he had a staff that had busted their tail trying to get the best talent in the country on campus. And in some cases, they had succeeded so that even when their coaching staff got fired, you still had really good players there. I don't think Hugh Freeze is inheriting that kind of stocked cupboard or even semi-stocked cupboard 
at Auburn. The second thing is, when Brian Kelly came into LSU, he had a couple of quarterbacks down there, and then he brought Jaden Daniels in to where they could create a three-man race at quarterback. Last spring, remember, it was Nussmeyer, it was Walker Howard who transferred, he since transferred, and it was Jaden Daniels who ultimately won the job. Well, that was three times better than what Auburn's dealing with right now. Those are three options that all would be better than any option Auburn has on their roster at quarterback. So short of Hugh Freeze going into the portal over the next couple of weeks, 10 days, however long we have left, and finding a difference maker at quarterback, I cannot put Auburn in that kind of conversation. Cody, next up, he asks a deep question that I think is unanswerable for me. He said, what's the best fried chicken in a college town? Whomst amongst us would know where I could find this. He's from Tulsa. Maybe it's in Tulsa for all I know. I don't eat fried chicken. Now let me pause so all of you can yell at me unnecessarily. I I eat plenty of chicken. I just don't eat fried chicken. And what I should really say is I don't eat the skin on fried chicken. Because as we know, once you get past the skin, it's all just chicken. But I have so matured in my life. Let me tell you a quick little story. Little JP loved fried chicken. And little JP loved fried chicken because when his parents weren't looking, he would peel the skin off eat the skin, and not eat the actual chicken, which, as we know, is an early sign of a sociopath. But I I changed my ways. I course-corrected at age seven or eight, and then I just ate the whole chicken and watched the evolutionary process here. Then one day I realized, I don't really like this. I'm not going to eat it at all. And now I don't eat fried chicken at all. What What a story, right? One of the greatest stories ever told there. Just fascinating. It's like watching me go from caterpillar to chrysalis to butterfly. I do eat a lot of chicken, though. Dan Orlovsky the other day was taking a fair amount of heat, and I thought it was unfair because he was talking about how he eats chicken breast, and that's it. And I realized, wait a second, that's what I do. Because what I do after I go to the gym, which is around mid-morning every day if I'm in Nashville, so I go to the gym, and then there's a Publix that is underground in downtown Nashville. There's a Publix. And when I say underground, I don't mean on the low. I don't mean a secret Publix. I mean, you got to go underground to get to the Publix. It's, it just, it's that way sometimes in major cities. So I go over there and I will get me a rotisserie chicken and usually go into the office. I end up eating the rotisserie chicken barehanded. That also reminds me of the story of how I negotiated my contract with a rotisserie chicken in my hand and no shirt on. I'll tell you that one in a second, too. But what I do now is I go in and I peel the skin off of that rotisserie chicken so it doesn't matter if it's lemon flavor or barbecue. It doesn't matter. I don't get any of that because it's just flavoring in the skin. So it's irrelevant what flavor it is. Oh, man, they're out of lemon pepper. Who cares? I don't taste it. So I peel the skin off. Then here's where me and Orlovsky kind of overlap. I don't eat the legs anymore. I give that to Junior Director Bradley. He knows. He smells that chicken. He comes in there. I say, here are your legs, Bradley. Thanks, fam. Then he goes back in the editing bay for another hour until it's time to play ping pong. So I just eat the breast. I eat the chicken breast. That's it. And I am all the healthier for it. People would make fun of me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, have fun dying 50 years before me. I'm, I'm going to be over here at age 130 saying, man, this is delicious chicken breast. And you're going to be saying nothing. Because I'm going to visit you later in the cemetery. So I don't apologize for my lifestyle. Having said that, here's a quick little story for you. We've been hearing a lot about Jalen Hurts and how his agent, Nicole Lynn, and the crew over there at Clutch, they executed the biggest deal in NFL history. And then we've heard the other stories about folks like Lamar Jackson 
doesn't have an agent. I'm not hating on him. You know why? Because I don't have an agent either. I represent myself and I work at a great company and I've got a great deal and I've got everything that I could want. So it's worked out well for me. We'll see how it works out for Lamar. But if Lamar Jackson is listening and he wants any advice, probably don't listen to me because here's how I went about it. The last time I finalized a contract, here's how it went. Obviously, there had been some legwork to get to this point, months of it. But here's how it finally went down. I was at a state park in Tennessee. That place will remain nameless because I want to keep it uncrowded. I was at a state park. I was out there and I got a call from, we'll call him Executive P. And Executive P calls me up and he says, hey, Pete, what are you doing? And I said, you really want to know what I'm doing, Executive P? He says, absolutely. I said, well, I am walking around shirtless, eating a rotisserie chicken with my bare hands in a state park. And Executive P, without hesitation, said, been there many times, brother. Excuse me? Yeah, yeah, been there many times, brother. Which clearly, if you know Executive P like I do, means he was not paying a bit of attention to what I had said. His mind had already shifted forward to what we were about to talk about. I could have said, I'm juggling flaming bowling pins in the middle of a Chuck E. Cheese. And I would have gotten a, been there many times, brother. Oh, Chuck E. Cheese, I'm so sick of Chuck E. Cheese. So we proceeded to hammer out my deal right there in the middle of the state park, shirtless, chicken grease all over the place. That's how you negotiate, kids. That is how you negotiate. James is next up from Columbus, Ohio. Why do Michigan fans act like they are untouchable going into this season when compared to Ohio State? They apparently develop players better, do less with more, put more players in the NFL, etc. None of it's true. It's like the ugly girl wore makeup for the first time. Um... I can relate to the latter portion of this question because I've seen it happen. I've seen that makeup go on. Hey, you want to know what's worse than that? In my business, everyone wears makeup, even your boy here. When the ugly dude who's never wore makeup before wears makeup for the first time, you have never experienced anything like it. And here's the worst part. So you do the six o'clock, like I used to do local news, right? So you'll do the six o'clock news and all of a sudden, they're excited to go eat afterwards. And they used to not want to leave the station. And all of a sudden, they're excited to go eat afterwards. And then you realize he keeps dipping into the bathroom right before. And you think, that's normal. He's either just got to go or, you know what, probably taking his makeup off. But he looks too perfect when he comes out. You go to the pizza place or the barbecue joint or head up to Chick-fil-A, and he just looks too perfect. He looks photoshopped. And then you realize for the first time, your buddy who just got off the 6 o'clock news, went into the bathroom not to take his makeup off, but rather to touch it up. And you've entered an entirely new world there. It really tests your friendship. Anyway, that's not what you asked, James. What you asked is, these Michigan fans, why do they act like they're untouchable? Well, let's just break this down for a second. I don't live up there, so I don't know how exactly they're acting towards you. I would imagine it isn't kind, nor should it be. They've beaten you soundly the last two years. That's the way it works. You dished that out the previous eight years, I think it was. So uh, we, all, we all get why that game's so important. You understand the consequences. But you're trying to tell me they're acting that way because of, and then you listed several factors, they develop players better, you say. You say they feel that way. Well, they're doing a pretty darn good job of developing players. Now, I can't, I can't do an hour-long podcast and just... X to Y compare their development to Ohio State. They're developing players pretty well. No, they're not putting more players in the NFL than Ohio State over a long stretch of time. You're right about that. But the 
idea that they do less with more. You said that's not true. That's absolutely true. They certainly are doing less with more. How else would I explain the last two years? They haven't had more talented rosters than you. Far from it, actually. And they've dominated, especially the second half of the last two years. So, you know, part of this is true, part of this is not. I would just say, in general terms, anytime you had an extended dry spell, when you finally get the rain again, people go a little crazy. It's the same way in college football. What's the what's the opposite approach? You got a buddy in Dearborn, Michigan, lifelong Michigan fan. You grew up in Akron, and you're a lifelong Ohio State fan. You really expect the dude to call you up and say, oh man, you know, we're just happy to be here. Yeah, we, we slipped into one couple of years in a row, but you guys will take it this year. You're so much better than us. That would be not a rivalry. So I would suggest to you, James, it's supposed to be this way. Now, having this upcoming year shaping up the way it is, with Michigan having a lot of returning pieces, you got to go to their place, and there being probably as much certainty and built-in confidence as we've seen in a long time from Michigan, it kind of takes on a different dynamic. Because the last two years, Ohio State's been expected to win. Even last year, they were expected to win. They looked pretty good stopping the run in the first half. You remember what happened. But this year... Because you have a two-year sample size of Michigan winning the game and winning it by double digits, and you go into their building, and them having gotten to the playoff and falling in the playoff, the expectation is going to shift a little bit. The national focus is going to shift a little bit. I'm going to spoil this for you now. I'm telling you where it's going because I know what the national types talk about. Yeah, they'll talk about Ohio State-Michigan, but what they'll ultimately be asking is, can Michigan get back to the playoff and win a game? And that doesn't mean they take Ohio State for granted, but they kind of do. Some of them kind of will. And I look at it and I say every year starts from scratch. There's no continuum. You don't carry over. Some themes you can carry over. Maybe momentum if you believe in that, but I do not believe this thing will be anything other than what it always is this year. And I think when Ohio State goes up there, obviously by then it's the last game of the season, so we will have long learned what kind of team they have. But Ohio State, you know, I was watching their spring game the other day. And as I said on the Sunday night show, I'll say it again. As much as people are talking about this quarterback battle with good reason, I looked at the team overall. I know how loaded they are in the backfield. I know how loaded they are in the receiver room. I think they can address offensive tackle between now and the start of the season. So I think they'll be okay. They'll be, they won't be elite, but I think they'll be pretty good on the offensive line. But I found myself thinking all that, thinking I don't need a first overall draft pick caliber talent at quarterback. I just need a good enough caliber talent, and I think I'll have that. But you know what else I said? I said, I think this defense can be counted on. And I couldn't say that the last couple of years. That would be a game changer, because that would create an Ohio State team that's capable of beating you in more than one way. That also would be a difference from the past two years. So this is a huge year for Ryan Day. It's always a huge year. Every year's a huge year. It's kind of redundant. But this year... They've got more to prove than they've had at any point in his career. Any point in his career. We'll see what happens. And I I know it sounds like this is just one steady flow, but occasionally when I'm recording the Late Kick Extra Pod, since there's not video and we're not live, I can afford to stop. I can afford to go back. So I've been going back and I've been listening to some of the audio because I'm not in my usual studio. And I know some of the P's, like the sometimes they're popping. I, I get that. And I know it doesn't provide the most ideal listening experience, but you haven't heard my side of the story yet. I think you should probably go check my Instagram story once you listen to this to find out the 
condition that I recorded today's Late Kick Extra Pod in. Suffice it to say, I am not in a professional studio. There are not millions of dollars of equipment around me. It's just uh, it's a little bit different vibe. And that's all I'll say. At Late Kick Josh, if you want to go check it out, those pictures, well, that picture will be uploaded and you will see it. I want to keep it maybe just in the Instagram story because this is not something I want the world to see. They may think less of me. We all know that life is about what other people think of you, right? But I do want to share it with you. So we'll we'll put it kind of hidden over there in the Instagram story. Not totally hidden. Not nearly as hidden as this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Got him. Another A-plus ad toss. No one saw it coming. And yet again, I remind you, if you claim you did... Someone will win the lottery today. That doesn't mean they knew what they were doing when they filled out the numbers. We move on from Carrollton, Texas. Here's a question a lot of you asked. Could I set the record straight on college football media overreaction to Jimbo's most recent comments? (laughs) Obviously, I need to clarify because Jimbo makes a lot of comments. You know what bothers me the most about Jimbo Fisher is he will not let reporters finish asking a question before he starts answering. You've got a million and one other problems with him. That's my beef. That's my problem. And I'm a guy that has gone at it with him publicly before. I don't care about that. I can do that all day. But when you won't let folks finish their question, that aggravates me. In fairness, though, he did let me finish all my questions. So there is that. Anyway, Jimbo had a little playful back and forth last week. I think it was after the spring game. Or it was, I don't, I can't remember. I think it was after the spring game. When it was is not important, but it was in the last week. And so he's in the press conference And this is where it's really important to see the video and hear the audio, kids. Don't just read transcripts, especially with people who are prone to joking and talking 47 million miles a minute like Jimbo Fisher. So Jimbo, if you were to just have read the transcript, he said, I don't want a Houston Chronicle question. I don't want a question from Sports Illustrated. Give me a Tex-Ags question. Guess what happened? A lot of people who are drive-by in nature, they just drove by, they saw the quote on Twitter, and they said, oh, look at that. This is, this is Stalinist. These are communist tactics. Jimbo Fisher is trying to suppress the freedom of the press. Jimbo Fisher is trying to use a familiar mouthpiece over there. That Billy Lucci and his company, shame on them. Now, I was, I was texting Lucci the whole time, laughing with him about this, because I happened to be listening to the press conference. I heard the quote, and I knew immediately what was going to happen. Because I knew most people weren't going to hear the quote. They were going to read it. Because someone opportunistically was going to transcript it instead of clipping the audio so that it looked a lot worse than it was. 
when you go and you listen to it or you watch it, he's got a huge grin on his face the entire time, and he's winking. He's winking at the Houston Chronicle. He's winking at Sports Illustrated as he's saying this. And it was just, it's, it's a group of people, the media beat there, that are together all year round. They meet with the coach many, many times a year, including weekly, multiple times weekly in the fall. Everyone knows each other, guys. Everyone does. I'll give you a perfect case study in how this works. When I was growing up, we had a backyard wrestling federation. Yeah, nothing's wrong with a mic. I just wanted to pause so you could appreciate that. We had a backyard wrestling federation. So me and my friends, we would watch pro wrestling on Monday, and then we would script our own matches, and then we would execute them on Tuesday. Now, most of the time, this was relegated to the living room, but if we had a false Count Anywhere match, of course, that could spill out to the garage, the screened-in porch, the driveway, the front yard. I mean, Hoops Amongst Us hasn't been in a false Count Anywhere match. We know how that works. So we would be wrestling, like TV wrestling, out in the front yard. Well, one day, now keep in mind we did this every week, one day, someone drove by and saw me fake punching my next door neighbor best friend in the front yard. And that's all they saw. They called the cops. They narked on us. They called the cops, or as we might call him in this scenario, a referee. And so the Harris County referees pull up and we're like, uh, we're, we're playing. What are you talking about? Well, we got a report that there was a physical assault happening. And I'm like, hey, I won the match. You better believe there was physical assault happening. Oh, wait, wait. This is not a promo I'm cutting. This is real life. Uh, here's what happened, officer. It was a work. It wasn't a shoot. It was a work. We do this all the time. Look, we record it. We had our little Sony Handycam, whatever those would have been called back then. We were filming it. Look, we also put ketchup on our foreheads. No one's busted open. I also have something else to admit. Right here, right now, I am ready to confess to you, I slammed him through a cardboard box onto some sofa cushions. Arrest me if you must. So obviously they laughed and everyone left, but the neighbor, they lived in our neighborhood, man. We knew who they were. We knew who narked on us. And the point was, if they just took two seconds to understand what was going on, if they took two seconds to absorb the context... Or just roll down the window and say, hey, is everything okay? We would have been mad because it would have interrupted the flow of the match. Yeah. But they would have known, yeah, there's no need to call the cops or the referees. So there would be no need for there to be any outrage if someone would have listened to what Jimbo said or watched what he said. But then again, there aren't a lot of clicks to be aggregated. Once we insert proper context and discernment into things, are there? Welcome. Welcome, friends, to the wonderful world of the internet, circa 2023. Tyler, next up from, where's Tyler from? He's from Eugene, Oregon. Tyler asked, what are your thoughts on having the college football rankings being done by Vegas? I assume you mean the playoff rankings. I support a version of this. So let's be very, very clear about what I'm saying. I've said this for a long time. I've been totally consistent on this. I don't mind having a committee decide the rankings. I want the right people on the committee. In a perfect world, I do the rankings. Okay, and that's the perfect world. We don't live in a perfect world. Prison is no fairy tale world, as Red would say in Shawshank Redemption, and neither is college football. So Tyler's asking, what if college football odds makers, Vegas, as you would call them, what if they handled the rankings? Now, I'm going to assume one thing, Tyler. I'm going to assume you mean if Vegas handled the rankings, then the rankings would actually appear as their odds making appears as their power ratings appear. I couldn't have that. Here's why we can't have that. Alabama would never drop out of the top four. 
Ohio State would never drop out of the top four. The reason is because the way a Vegas odds-making machine were to work is they don't really care so much about your resume. Their power rating is based on you today moving forward. So if Alabama were to lose a game, they rarely ever drop. Ohio State rarely ever drops because those odds and those power ratings are so disproportionately reliant on roster data. And they're so disproportionately reliant on assignated ratings for players, for coaches, etc. Because odds makers learned a long time ago, you are not what your record says you are when it comes to the quality of team. And that's why they're able to set very, very consistent odds on teams. And even after a team loses, Vegas doesn't really budge a whole lot on them. And when teams win, a lot of instances, Vegas doesn't really budge a whole lot on them either. So that is not the place Las Vegas belongs in. Your record against the spread or your Vegas power rating, that should not be what determines who makes the playoff. It shouldn't because you've got to involve merit. That's what competition in sports are about. It's about deciding something on the field. And now I've got some casual out there listening to me saying, oh, Mr. Mr. Anti-Expansion wants to decide it on the field, huh? I sure do. I always have. Well, well, we haven't always gotten the outcome that was right. No, you haven't always gotten the outcome you wanted. We got the right outcome. We've gotten the right outcomes. But I'm not going down that road today. This is not the place for the playoff expansion discussion. But Vegas does have a role in this, or they should. And as I've shared with you before, and I'll share with you once more, the role they should have is you should have your committee and I should be on the committee, but you should have your committee. They decide the ratings and they release them. And I'm fine with all that structure, but the way they determine strength of schedule should heavily involve Las Vegas. That right there is where Vegas should be brought in the room. That is where the conversation is stupid right now. A lot of the conversation that determines your strength of schedule is about this arbitrary top 25 wins metric. And the value of those wins continues to fluctuate throughout the season as the team you played in week two goes on to lose more games, even though they're losing more games in part because of the beating you put on them in week two. And you're losing credit for a win because it was so thorough of a win. I hate all that. And so with Vegas, they have the better lens to view that through. Did you really just play an overrated team in week two? Or did you play a strong team in week two that then lost three of their starting four interior linemen, a starting safety, and had their tailback go down for the season, and they were a different team in week six, and that's why they suck all of a sudden? Because that's a different conversation. All of a sudden, you're still getting credit for a win you should get credit for. No one's decreasing the value of it because it wasn't a quote-unquote top 25 win in retrospect. That's where Vegas is fully qualified. In fact, they're overly, uniquely qualified to clean up that portion. And if I could get Vegas-style thinking in the strength of schedule compartment, I'd be fine with the committee because the committee would then be armed with the proper information. Well, let's get this question from Columbus, Ohio. The second from Columbus, Ohio today, he said, should Brian Hartline's accident and all the information surrounding it worry recruits and their families? Will what happened hurt Ohio State's recruiting? So if you've been out of the loop, Brian Hartline, I think after the spring game, ended up having to have paramedics called because he had an ATV accident on his property. Turns out there was alcohol involved. He has since uh, admitted to that. Again, I want to emphasize on his own property. My answer is no, it will not affect Ohio State recruiting in the least. No, if I were a family of a recruit for Ohio State, I wouldn't be concerned in the least because it doesn't impact me at all. It, it is a poor 
error in judgment, but look, I'm not even calling it an egregious error in judgment by Brian Hartline. You should never be operating motor vehicles under the influence of alcohol. So, I mean, that's always piss poor decision making. But man, there is a gulf of a difference between doing it on an open road and doing it on your own property because you're not putting anyone else in harm's way when you're doing it on your property. And secondly, yes, there's a much higher standard you have to meet and a, a level of accountability you have to meet. And that look, he gets that. And if he doesn't get it, he's having it explained to him. But I have no doubt he gets that. But if I am a high four-star receiver from Pittsburgh, and I'm looking at Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, all these dudes who have been pumped into the NFL, I'd ask them, hey, did Brian Hartline's ATV accident change how many millions of dollars you have in your pocket? Hey, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., the year you're about to have, is it going to be deterred by the ATV accident Brian Hartline just had? The answer is no. I mean, if you want to use it to take a shot at him on Twitter, I guess, okay. I mean, I won't be doing that personally, but okay. If you want to call it a, like I said, a poor use of judgment on Brian Hartline's part, okay. Is it going to impact whatsoever the way they develop or recruit receivers, the way they put receivers in the NFL, the way that they put up huge numbers? I don't think so. So no, I don't think it's a problem. And no, I wouldn't be worried about it. With that in mind, I have got to get out of here because like I said, I got a speaking engagement tonight. So happy to be here. I may record it. I may share some of it with you guys. We'll see how it goes. Much as is the case with ping pong, anything that ends up making me look good, I'm happy to share. But it's the, it's the parts where I lose. It's the parts where I forget everything I was going to say and stammer myself into oblivion. Now, that's what we can't have out there. I do that enough on the pod anyway. So I appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already. And make sure you're following on the socials at Late Kick Josh. I'm going to shoot this up to Nashville. And then I'm going to shoot myself down to Columbus. And I appreciate you guys for being on board. Until next time, for producer Jesse, director Colin, junior director Bradley, I'm Josh Payne. Take care, have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.